Good morning, I'm Tebby Cruz. It's Tuesday, March 28th. County Supervisor Nathan Fletcher has taken a step back to focus on his mental health. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. More rain is headed our way tonight. The National Weather Service says we can expect light rain through tomorrow morning. Then a second round of rain will hit the county tomorrow night into Thursday. According to reporting by the San Diego Union-Tribune, this storm will be much colder than the ones that have hit the county in recent weeks. Temps are expected to drop into the low 50s tonight. In a few days, people who use CalFresh will notice a big drop in the amount of food benefits they get. That's because the extra money given to recipients during the pandemic is ending on April 1st. It was at least an extra $95 in benefits every month. Some food banks in the state are working with lawmakers to get more funding for food banks and benefits for people. In the meantime, if you're impacted, you can call 211 to speak to someone about food services available in the county. The SDSU men's basketball team made program history on Sunday. For the first time ever, the team is advancing to the Final Four of March Madness after beating Creighton University 57-56 in the Elite Eight. SDSU sophomore Bella Espinosa plays for the SDSU softball team and could hear fans cheering for the men's basketball team during their game on Sunday. I think it was just awesome. Like I was stoked to hear about it and just bringing like more awareness to SDSU and we can compete with other schools. The Aztecs take on the Florida Atlantic Owls Saturday. Tip-off is at 3 p.m. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. San Diego County Supervisor Nathan Fletcher announced on Sunday that he's checking into a treatment center for post-traumatic stress, trauma, and alcohol abuse. He also said he will be dropping out of the state Senate race to focus on his health. Health reporter Matt Hoffman talked to a local expert about PTSD and how treatment can transform lives. Supervisor Nathan Fletcher says his post-traumatic stress is from combat during his time as a Marine and also intense childhood trauma that's been made worse from alcohol abuse. Post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD, can occur with anyone. It's typically triggered by traumatic events. 
Dr. Sarah Simmons is a psychiatrist at Kaiser San Diego. She says symptoms from PTSD can range from intrusive memories to avoidance or distancing, numbness, or even physical symptoms like feeling on edge or being irritable. She says something key to remember is that PTSD is treatable. Sometimes it can be really difficult and painful to think about that trauma that's happened. So sometimes it's like, okay, I just don't want to go there. I'm not ready for that kind of treatment. But the important thing to remember is that treatment, it works. People can recover. They can feel whole again. Treatment doesn't always involve revisiting trauma, and it can include therapy, support groups, or medication. Simmons says it's common for those with PTSD to use unhealthy habits like alcohol to get temporary relief from trauma, but she cautions against that. It's really easy for a person to think, okay, I'm going to have that glass of wine, maybe it will help. But the important thing to remember is that alcohol in itself is makes it harder to treat PTSD. It makes it harder to get over those symptoms. Matt Hoffman, KPBS News. The preliminary hearing for a doctor and a nurse charged with the in-custody death of Elisa Serna was postponed. But her family still showed up and held a rally in front of the courthouse yesterday. Reporter Kitty Alvarado was there and tells us justice advocates and other families whose loved ones have died in jail were there to offer support. Justice for Elisa Serna! Elisa Serna's family was counting on attending the preliminary hearing for a doctor and a nurse charged with her death while in custody at Las Colinas detention facility in 2019. Instead, they stood outside the El Cajon courthouse with justice advocates and other families who have the same tragedy in common. No justice, no peace! The hearing was continued and a new date of June 26th was set for Dr. Frederick von Lintig and nurse Dana Lee Pasqua. Both pleaded not guilty to involuntary manslaughter. Elisa's mom, Paloma Serna, said after watching unreleased video footage of her daughter, it's clear more people must be held accountable for there to be real justice. They never went in there to check on her. They just left her there. So when are these other deputies going to be arrested too? We reached out to the district attorney's office and asked if more people would be charged. They said they could not comment on pending criminal cases. Kitty Alvarado, KPBS News. Two UCSD professors helped identify the raccoon dog as the prime suspect in the investigation of how COVID-19 jumped from animals to humans. SciTech reporter Thomas Fudge spoke to them and tells us what likely happened at a seafood market in Wuhan, China. Raccoon dogs are a relative of foxes that have been sold for years at the market in Wuhan. Joel Wertheim, an evolutionary biologist at UC San Diego, was a co-author of a report by viral experts on COVID's origins. These data show co-occurrence of genetic material from a raccoon dog and from SARS-CoV-2. They don't prove unambiguously that that raccoon dog was infected, but this is exactly what you would expect to find if a raccoon dog were infected with the virus. Another co-author of the report is Nima Moshiri, a computer science professor at UCSD. He said investigators had to sort through a lot of different DNA left behind at the market stalls. And then when you overlay this with information that they already had about what stalls that they detected were either COVID positive or COVID negative, what animals do you find in the stalls that they had detected to be COVID positive? 
Some U.S. agencies have suggested that the COVID pandemic came out of a lab in Wuhan. Wertheim said the data he's seen simply does not support that hypothesis. Thomas Fudge, KPBS News. Javier Salazar Rojas is better known in Tijuana as the deported artist. He uses art to shine a light on the plight of deportees. Border reporter Gustavo Solis tells us his story. One of Javier Salazar's favorite paintings is of a little boy in the desert, hiding from the border patrol. The boy crouches behind a bush. He's carrying a light blue backpack that's almost as big as he is. It's actually a self-portrait from when he went on a family trip to Tijuana when he was 11 years old. And on the way back, you know, I tried to load up in the van when everybody was going home and my mom kind of like, she stopped me. The rest of his family was going to drive through the port of entry, but Salazar would have to sneak back across the country illegally. And I was like, oh, I thought we were going home. She was like, oh, you know what? Um, You can't come home with us. You don't have any papers. That's when Salazar found out he was undocumented. He had been brought to Oakland as a three-month-old child and lived there ever since. While his family drove across the border, he had to hike through a rural part of San Diego County. I got separated from my group. I remember hiding in the bushes. And it's when uh, Border Patrol found me. I got taken to immigration center and I got deported. Salazar eventually made it back to Oakland. And he lived there until his late 20s, when he stole $300 from a gas station, got caught, and was sent to prison. It was in prison where Salazar taught himself to draw. He also served as a volunteer firefighter between 2011 and 2014. Uh, I risked my life for three years uh, working for a dollar an hour for this uh, for the state of California. And uh, my last 30 days, they came and told me I was being deported. He was deported right after finishing his prison sentence. Salazar is now 47 and lives in Tijuana. He's an established artist. And the proud parent of five adopted dogs and a cat. Chico, come on, buddy. Franco, siéntate. Good boy. Good boy. Known locally as the deported artist, Salazar's paintings depict migration and border culture. He uses art as a way to tell his own stories and change the way people see deportees. If nobody speaks up, uh, you know, nobody's going to hear our, sto- our story. Uh, somebody else might tell our narrative, but they're going to tell it through their eyes, through their agenda. He says deportees are depicted as criminals, bad hombres. In theory, they're sent back to their home. But in reality, many of them have no connection to that home. When you're deported and being out here, you know, it's almost like uh, being treated like a foreigner in your own country. You know, they look at you as an outsider. Discrimination plays out in different ways. Some deportees struggle to speak Spanish or speak it with a thick American accent. Others, like Salazar, have visible tattoos. Sometimes I'm I'm on the bus and the only available seat will be next to me. And people will come and they'll stand up. And a bunch of people will stand up rather than sit next to me. Salazar wants his art to change the way people, especially Americans, view deportation. In his case, deportation separated him from the rest of his family back home in Oakland. Well, you're not just deporting a person. You're deporting a father. You're deporting an uncle. You're, deport- you're deporting some a family's uh, main breadwinner. You know, you're separating families. So you're just not punishing the person who's being deported. You're, you're punishing a whole family. His art is also political commentary. Salazar just finished putting up an art installation at the beach along the U.S.-Mexico border, 
right at the very top of the border wall. I'm afraid. I'm terrified of heights. I was afraid. Of, and I, was, I was afraid to go the last couple of steps. It features Presidents Joe Biden and Donald Trump locked in a passionate kiss. It's meant to capture the disappointment advocates feel with Biden's immigration policies by drawing attention to just how similar they are to Trump's. Really, it's the, the message behind it is uh, Biden, you know, breaking all his immigration promises and also adopting Trump era, uh, Trump era laws that are anti-immigrant. Gustavo Solis, KPBS News. Coming up, how NASA is challenging kids to develop a passion for science. We'll have that story and more just after the break. I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. Officials yesterday celebrated the opening of an electric vehicle charging station near the Old Time Mesa border crossing. Environment reporter Eric Anderson says the station is designed for medium and heavy-duty trucks. The four new high-powered charging stations are located conveniently at a truck stop. The California Energy Commission awarded the fueling station's owner $200,000 to install the DC chargers on the same property where they already fuel up diesel-powered trucks. San Diego County Supervisor Nora Vargas cheered the installations. This is a wonderful step in a good direction to make sure that we're opening doors for many more other similar partnerships that we can really focus on clean air, while at the same time working to promote economic prosperity and green jobs. Having publicly available high-speed chargers is an important step toward transitioning the trucking industry to a zero-emission future. California is asking the trucking industry to use zero-emission vehicles where possible by 2045. Eric Anderson, KPBS News. Outer space is infinitely huge and it occupies a similar-sized part of our imaginations. NASA is running a competition to get kids to imagine future space missions. SciTech reporter Thomas Fudge visited a third grader in Carlsbad who is doing just that. Blasted away. This is landing. It actually has an individual thruster right here, and these will extend to help it cushion the impact. 
Third grader Luca Pollock showed me some drawings he made of the journey he has planned for his spacecraft fortitude. The drawings are scattered around the floor of a room at home, and they show Luca's spacecraft landing on the ocean ice of Europa, one of the moons of Jupiter. This space mission is his entry into NASA's nationwide Power to Explore essay contest. Concha Reed is deputy of NASA's Space Science Project office based in Cleveland. She says Power to Explore challenges kids to develop a passion for science. We want to engage their imagination. We want them to think big, just as we do here at NASA. So we want them to envision, if you could go anywhere in the solar system, where would you go? Luca wants to go to Europa because he's stoked to think about its oceans and their potential for life. He says when his spaceship lands on Europa, it'll become a wheeled rover that can travel over the ice. So it's going to drive up to one of the ice cracks on Europa, and it's going to use a drill to cut through at least like the thinnest layer of ice as it can wants to be on a thinner layer and once it does that it opens like this little port on the belly you can see it right here and through that port in the rover out comes luca's second vehicle a tiny submarine that is pushed through the hole in the ice and starts swimming in the water below it will look for signs of life and send data back to the rover which will send it back to earth he calls his submarine resilience The kids in the contest were told they'd be using a radioisotope power system. The same nuclear engine has powered NASA's Voyager spacecraft, which were launched in the late 70s and have now come to the very edge of the solar system. That power system has its limitations, naturally, and if some space scenarios dreamed up by the kids may be technologically far-fetched by today's standards, Reed says that's okay. We don't know what technology will be available in the future. You know, we have innovations in materials that are going on all the time. We have innovations in the IT world. So we're not changing the laws of physics, but we don't know what we don't know. Luca's mom, Danielle Pollack, says science and technology come naturally to him. He was always really mechanical, as even as a child, like watching um, when we was on a carousel, would be looking up at the gears and that sort of thing. And so he's always just drawn to that. Luca is waiting to see if he'll become a finalist in the Power to Explore competition. He says advancing in the essay contest is pretty cool, and he hopes this won't be all he does for NASA. Yeah, I would love to work with NASA. Just so that you can continue doing mm-hmm. stuff like this. Yes, I really also want to learn about space. Luca's idea for a rover that will drill a hole in the ice of Jupiter's moon Europa may not take place in the near future, but Concha Reed says NASA is now planning a real-life voyage to Titan, one of the moons of Saturn. The helicopter landing craft they plan to take there is called Dragonfly. Thomas Fudge, KPBS News. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a great Tuesday.